Hi there, and welcome to the media ministry of River Bible Church. I'm Pastor Dustin Daniels, inviting you to visit our website to download today's sermon notes. You can sign up for our newsletter and also submit a prayer request. We would love to pray for you and answer any questions that you may have. For more information, visit riverbible.org. Now let's open up the Word of God together for today's message. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21 today. Um, If you're new with us, welcome to River Bible Church. My name's Dustin, and uh, glad that you're here to to worship the Lord with us. If you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles in the back. That's our gift to you. Feel free to stand up, grab one of those, take that home. And as you turn to Matthew chapter 6, let me review. We continue our verse-by-verse study here of Matthew's gospel, and, and we're in the section... Uh, of the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus' sermon. Uh, It's the most famous sermon ever preached. The author is none other than our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And for the past several months, Jesus has taught us on the subjects of how do we give and then how not to give. He's taught us how to pray and how not to pray as well. And then last Sunday, Jesus made a transition from prayer to fasting. And as we learn, prayer and fasting, those are two sides of the same coin. And we had a lot of key points from, from last Sunday. Let me review just a few here. Number one, we learned that you can pray without fasting, but you, you cannot fast biblically without praying. Key point number two, we learned that fasting has no lasting spiritual benefit if your heart is not entirely devoted to God. Our our heart has to be soft if we're going to fast biblically. And then uh, key point number nine, fasting makes us consider what to do with our unhappiness. We talked about that. Fasting makes us consider what to do with our unhappiness. And we also learned that fasting doesn't necessarily have to do with food. And then we, we ended... Uh, with this question. What is the one thing that you do that you know that God doesn't like, but he puts up with for now? What's the one thing that you do that you know that God doesn't like, but he puts up with for now? His grace is upon you. He's addressing that one thing. That one thing, well, my encouragement was to ponder that question and to think about that one thing and just to join God in dealing with that one thing in your life because really more than any other spiritual discipline, fasting reveals the the things that control us. Fasting helps us keep balance in life. I mean, how easily do we get all wrapped up in all the non-essentials that take precedence in our lives. And really, how quickly they enslave us if we don't, if we don't uh, address them head on. Well, this concept of, of being a slave and being a slave to worldly goods, that's where Jesus is taking us today. And for the next month or so, Jesus discusses our possessions, our money, And all the anxiety that that comes from having all that stuff. 
Now, we've been studying Jesus' Sermon on the Mount for the past nine months. And up to this point, Jesus has primarily focused in on, on spiritual character here. He's really honed in on this vertical relationship that he wants us to have with, with God the Father. But our faith is not only a vertical relationship, our, our faith resembles a cross. Uh, the cross that, that the Lord Jesus was crucified on. So if Jesus is our Lord, yes, we have this vertical relationship with God the Father, but we also have a horizontal relationship with people. And not only that, but we have a horizontal relationship with the things of this world as well. And what Jesus does, he moves us into that horizontal space today. So let me ask some preliminary questions here. What does it look like for a Christian to live a simple life? How do we think about, or how as Christians, are we to think about material things? Food, clothing, money. How are we to picture the future? How are we to plan for retirement? How do we receive an inheritance? How do we plan our wills? We're going to see a theme emerge from today's passage, and the theme is this. What Jesus has said about our spiritual character, this vertical relationship, those same principles govern our horizontal relationship as well with our people, with people and with our possessions. So over the next several weeks here, Jesus talks about money. He talks about anxiety. He's, he refers to judging people. We're going to talk about that. And, and through all of this, the constant need for prayer. And he ends that section uh, with, with his sermon with the golden rule. So that's the plan for the next several months. Today, however, you know, let's dive in here to see what, what Jesus has to teach us about treasures and possessions. So if you would, please stand now for the reading and the honoring of God's word. We're going to read verses 19 through 24. We're really going to focus in on the first three. And if you would, you can follow along with the, the slides uh, in front of you there. And, and just as we worship the Lord together in song, let's also worship him through his word and, and read this with me, please. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, well, how deep is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Dear friends, these are the very words from the inerrant the inspired, the infallible word of Almighty God. Thank you. Please be seated. The Father in heaven, the psalmist writes, I have treasured your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. 
Well, Lord, we're going to focus in on that word treasure today. We pray that you would teach us what it looks like to treasure the things that you give us to steward and to treasure the most important things in our lives. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, let's dive in here to verse 19. Jesus says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. I, uh, I read a survey. It asked people what they would do for $1 million. 42% of people said they'd, they'd be willing to do one of these four things. Spend time in jail. They'd be willing to never see their best friend again. Yeah. They, they, they would be willing to move permanently to a foreign country. What about this? They'd be willing to throw their pet off a cliff. Why not? You can always buy another one. You got a million bucks. Isn't that awful? A survey like that will... We'll reevaluate, have you reevaluate, reevaluating your friends, that's, that's for sure. <laughs> you know, as we study the life of Jesus through Matthew's gospel here, we're going to notice how much time Jesus teaches on the subject of money. Jesus teaches more about money and wealth than any other social issue, more than marriage, more than politics. More than work, sex, or power, Jesus focuses in on money. So with Jesus focusing so much on money and wealth and possessions, we do need to ask why. Why does he do this? The Bible has over 2,000 verses on money. 2,000. There are only 500 verses on faith and prayer so we got to ask, why? You know, why are there more than four times the number of Bible verses uh, on money versus our faith? Well, if God has so much to say about money and wealth, it, it seems that he knows we're going to have a problem with it. God knows that as weak, sinful human beings, we, we tend to place our trust in things that we can see or uh, the things that we can do with our own effort, right? So Jesus, what he does, he starts off with a command. In verse 19, he says, don't. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. So don't. Don't means don't, right? He forbids, he prohibits his disciples from storing up treasures. We are not to lay up. We're not to save up. We're not to store away. That's what Jesus is saying. But we got to take a time out. Because in other parts of Scripture, there are examples where we, we are supposed to save. We are supposed to store things away. So let me give you a couple examples here. In the Old Testament, Joseph, he stored up and he saved, didn't he? Genesis 41:33. Uh, Pharaoh should find an intelligent and wise man and put him in charge of the entire land of, of Egypt. Then Pharaoh should appoint supervisors over the land and, and let them collect one-fifth of, of all the crops during the seven good years. So we see this idea of, of saving and storing in verse 34. In verse 35, it's carried over. Have them gather all the food that is produced in the good years. 
that are just ahead and bring that to, to Pharaoh's storehouses. Store it, store it away, save it, guard it so that there will be food in the cities. That way there will be enough to eat when the seven years of famine come to the land of Egypt. Otherwise, the, the famine will destroy the land. So that's the Old Testament. In the New Testament, in the epistles, the apostle Paul writes this to the, uh, to the church in Corinth. He says, on the first day of the week, each of you is to set something aside and to save it. So what's Jesus talking about? Is Jesus contradicting other parts of Scripture here? Is that what he's doing? Well, let's talk about what he's not talking about first. Jesus is not saying that we should not have a savings account. He's not saying that we shouldn't have some type of rainy day fund or retirement. In fact, business, uh, business principles, banking principles, they are encouraged by Jesus uh, in the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25. Jesus is also not saying that, that wealth is inherently evil. Because we see Abraham. Abraham was a wealthy man. He was called a friend of God. Remember Zacchaeus, uh, the wealthy tax collector? He was, he was called, or he was worthy of being called a son of Abraham. Joseph of Arimathea, he was a follower of Jesus. He had wealth. Now, Scripture also tells us that, that we who are not wealthy, we are still responsible for providing for our families with all these material things. 1 Timothy 5.8, the Apostle Paul writes to Tim and he says, Hey, Tim, if anyone does not provide for his own family, so you can just write in there, save. If anyone doesn't save for his family, doesn't store up for his family, uh, especially for his own household, he has, look at this, he has denied the faith. He's denied the faith. Holy smokes, he's worse than an unbeliever. So to honestly earn and save, that is biblical counsel. That is the right thing to do. But what is Jesus talking about here? Back to our, our gospel text to find out. He says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. That word store up there, uh, your translation may say lay up. The Greek is thesarizo. Treasures is thesarios. So we have thesariizo and thesarios. Both of those Greek terms point to our English word thesaurus. Isn't that cool? And a thesaurus is a treasury of words. So a paraphrase of this translation would be something like this. Do not treasure up, treasure for yourselves. So back to verse 19. He says, don't store up for yourselves, treasures on earth. So the picture is this. Just imagine someone who's stacking coins on top of one another. He's got piles and piles and piles of these coins or, or, or even bills, right? Um, the problem, though, he has no intention of spending these piles of coins. He's just showing off that he's got money and he's never going to use it. He simply has it, just, just to have it. Or it might be better to say it has him. He may spend it, or he may not, but he's going to spend it on himself. See, the, the problem here is that this man has no plan to use that money to serve others. Serving God, 
serving money. That's Jesus' main point in, in verse 24. We'll get there. But what Jesus is referring to is, is hoarding. Think of, of this man's money as a stockpile. It's a reserve. He may or may not use it. So let's bring this, this teaching just a little bit closer to home. After you have tithed to your, your, your local church, after you have paid off your debt, after you have a three to six month emergency fund in place, after you're saving for retirement, after you have a plan and, and you're working the plan for providing for your family, after you've created a will to be carried out when you die, what are you going to do with the money and the possessions that through God's grace and your hard work, what are you going to do with, with all of that? Do you have a plan for your giving? Are you telling your money where to go? I was walking my dogs uh, this past week in the neighborhood, and it's getting warmer out. People are in the yards. A couple people had their garages open. I couldn't help but notice that there was no room for their cars in the garage. <laughs> piles and piles of stuff. Boxes and crates and just stuff stacked on top of stuff. Every, one guy had barrels of stuff. And sir, if you're in here this morning, I do want to apologize for using you as an example. Not trying to offend anybody. Have you guys ever seen the TV show Hoarders? Mm, I, I, I've watched enough to know the premise. Um, and I've also watched enough to know that hoarding is not a compulsive disorder like the show says it, it is. It brings us to key point number one. Hoarding is a sin against God because we don't trust him. Hoarding is a sin against God because we don't trust God. See, Jesus indirectly teaches about hoarding in other parts of the gospel as well. Let me give you an example. So Jesus is, is teaching one day about fearing God. That's the subject matter, fearing God. And it appears that some guy in the crowd, he's just rolling his eyes. He's getting impatient. And then he interrupts Jesus and he says this in Luke 12, verse 13. He says, teacher... Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. One of those guys. It's been my experience through ministry that it's the, the hardworking brother who receives the inheritance and then the brother who doesn't work very hard, the brother who is entitled, the brother that expects everything to be given to him, he's the one that doesn't. So there's the context of, of a parable like this. And Jesus says in verse 14, he says, friend... Who appointed me a judge over you? In other words, hey friend, I, I'm not your referee between you and your brother. That's not my job. Making sure you get your inheritance, that's not why I have come from heaven. <laughs> Jesus says in verse 15, he says, watch out and be on guard against all greed. Because one's life is, it's not. It's not in the abundance of his possessions. So dear friends, regardless of what the world says, we as Christians, right? We are not defined by how much stuff we have. Jesus goes on to make a point though with this man through a parable. He continues in verse 16. 
He said, a rich man's land was very productive. So let's pause right there. Who made that land productive? Was it the rich man? Ah, he tends to think so. Verse 17, so he thinks to himself, you know, what should I do? I don't have anywhere to store my stuff. Ah, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down my barns. I'm going to build bigger ones. And I'm going to store all my grain and all my goods there. Look at all that. My, my, my. Me, myself, and I. My, oh, my, right? And then I'm going to say to myself, man, I've got so many goods stored up for many years. You know what I need to do? I need to take it easy. I need to eat and drink and join myself because it's time to live the good life. I need to retire early. This is wonderful. This man's ship has come in. It is loaded down with more earthly treasures than he could ever spend. But the story doesn't stop there, does it? Verse 20, but God. Circle that in your Bible. But God. Notice this. He says, you fool. The idea here, when... when When God calls somebody a fool, is that you're a clown, you're a jester, you're a dope, you're a dupe. He says, you clown, don't you realize this very night your life is demanded of you? And the things that you've prepared, whose will they be? Not going to be yours. Jesus continues in verse 21. He says, that's how it is with the one who stores up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. So guys, we have a a crucial lesson this morning from this rich fool. This man had no plan to give anything away. His God was me, myself, and I. And that is the unholy trinity Storing up treasures was a complete waste of time for this man. (laughs) Why? Because he's dead. The whole parable is an exercise in futility and vanity. Brings us to key point number two. To save and spend everything that we earn only on ourselves, that is unwise and sinful. To save and spend everything that we have only on ourselves, unwise and sinful. So, contrary to popular belief, he who dies with the most toys does not win. The key key to Jesus' warning here is that pronoun, yourselves. He says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. So when we store all of these things for our our own sake, whether we're going to hoard them and spend them on ourselves, right? What what happens in the process? These things become idols. My precious. (laughs) Please know God wants us to enjoy our money. He does. But the reason there are so many Bible verses about money is because we have to guard against it to make sure that it does not become our God because that's a very easy thing to do. 
The Apostle Paul, he, he writes to Timothy, he says this. He says, Tim, I want you to instruct those who are rich in this present age. Not to be arrogant or to set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth, but on God, who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. Don't you love the play on words there? He says, instruct them to do what is good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and willing to share. And then he says this, store up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of what is truly life. Paul uses that same Greek term as, as Jesus. It's in a different context. Jesus is going to get to that here in, in a second. Back to verse 19. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. So what's the first thing that you think of when you hear that word treasure? Big house, nice car, jewelry. What's really interesting here is that when we get to verse 25, Jesus mentions food, drink, and clothing, not the big house, not the nice car, and the jewels. So within the context of Jesus' sermon here, treasure, all these treasures can actually be things that we need and not necessarily want. The issue is much more significant than trying to live a life of luxury. What Jesus has in mind here are people who get their entire satisfaction from things that, that belong to this world only. It could be ambitions. It could be dreams. It could be hopes for, the, for things in life. And it's primarily in those things that we are seeking where they can become a sinful treasure. So let's define that. Let's define what a sinful treasure is. Key point number three it's anything in this world that is everything to you. Sinful treasure is anything in this world that is everything to you. So the question becomes, am I trusting more in my money or in God? Who, who's the provider there, right? Uh, is, the, is money the middleman or the main man? Key point number four, please know it's not wrong to possess things. Please don't feel guilty about that. But it is wrong for things to possess us. It's not wrong to possess things, but it is wrong for things to possess us. You know, the last time that we talked about money was at the beginning of Matthew chapter 6. One of those key points was to, to make a plan and to tell our money where to go. Because if we don't, look what happens. Verse 19, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Why? Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Okay. Well, Jesus now gives us two practical reasons why we're not to store earthly treasures for ourselves. Jesus is talking about two kinds of loss. We've got a passive and an active form of loss here. The passive is, is this idea of rust and moth and, and just this overall idea of decay. Um, in other words, worldly things, it's going to fall apart. Things fall apart. Secondly, we suffer active harm. Jesus says thieves 
break in and they're going to steal your stuff. Moth and rust, they, they do one thing, they destroy, right? So in the first century, the houses were made of mud and rodents, what they would do is they would just gnaw their way through that mud and they would get, they would get to all the valuables there. So if, if rodents can, can uh, chew through mud bricks, just imagine what they'll do to clothing. The best clothes were made of wool. That's a moth's favorite tasty treat, isn't it? They love that stuff. Jesus goes on to say, where moth and rust destroy. So this idea of rust, baroses in the Greek, um, rust also means an eating. Pretty interesting. Both of these things mean to eat, to eat worldly things. So just as rats and mice and insects eat worldly things, so does rust. Next, Jesus talks about theft. He says, where thieves break in and steal. So don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Why, Jesus? I like stuff. I like stuff a lot. I want to store things up because moth and rust, they're going to destroy it. And oh, by the way, if that doesn't happen, thieves are going to try to break in and steal your stuff. Anything can be stolen. So in the first century, many people buried their valuables um, within the dirt floors of their houses. This idea of, of breaking in is, this, is the concept of digging through. They would dig through the house. And then once they were in the house, they would then dig under and dig through the floor to search for buried treasure. Some people kept their valuables in a field, and the thieves would dig for the buried treasure in the field. Uh, most of us don't bury our valuables today. We may tend to think because we don't do that, they're a little bit safer. So let me ask you, what are some of the thieves in our day? What about identity theft? Is that a thief? How many, how many credit cards or debit cards have you had to cancel and get reissued because someone stole your identity or swiped the card? What about inflation? Taxes, heavy taxes. Is that a thief? What about you know, the stock market crashing and the banks closing? What about just getting sick and unexpected illness, hospital bills? Thieves are also violence, fires, wars, floods, right? We, we had floods just a couple days ago. So Jesus' main point here is that you can't take any of this stuff with you. It's either going to be eaten or destroyed, or it's going to be left behind when you die. Reminds me of a story. There's a, a, a dying older man. He calls his doctor, his lawyer, and his minister to his deathbed. They say, you can't take it with you, but I'm going to try, he said. I've got three envelopes. Each envelope has $30,000 in it, and I want each of you, as they lower my casket, I want you to throw that envelope in the, uh, in the casket. On the day of the funeral, each man did as he was told, but on the way home, as they were driving together, the pastor is the first to confess. He says, guys, i got to confess something to you. I, I, I needed the money for the church. 
So I took out 10 grand and I, I threw $20,000 in. The doctor said, oh, confession time, huh? I got to confess too. I'm, I'm building a clinic. So I took out 20000 and I threw in ten. And the lawyer said, gentlemen, gentlemen, I'm so ashamed of you. I, I threw in a personal check. <laughs> Guys, we can't take it with us. Nor should we want to. Verse 20. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves don't break in and steal. So let's start again with what Jesus isn't saying here in verse 20. He doesn't mean that, that someone can earn his salvation through good works. He's not saying that. Salvation only comes through one way. John three sixteen, believing that Jesus is God, right? What Jesus is saying, though, is that the believers, uh, that we are rewarded in heaven as a result of the fruit that we display on earth. The Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth, he says this, no one can lay any foundation other than the one that we already have, and that is Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials. You got gold. Silver, jewels, and then there's also the wood, the hay, and the straw. But on judgment day, fire is going to reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. And if the work survives, listen to this. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. The scriptures, they're, they're basically silent on what that reward is. It's probably the best that way. But, but how do we practically, how do we store up for ourselves treasures in heaven like Jesus is talking about? Let me give you a few thoughts. Number one, instead of viewing money as the source of our provision, Christians are to see God as the source. God is the source, not money in and of itself. Disciples of Jesus beat money into submission. And the primary way of beating money into submission is, is a plan to give it away. Secondly, we, we lay up treasures in heaven by investing in God's causes and God's people. We use the same principles that Jesus taught us throughout the Sermon on the Mount we come and make him the priority. We worship God and God alone. Secondly, we, we choose to love people. And thirdly, financially speaking, because that's the topic for today, we store treasures in heaven by using money for God's purposes. And then lastly, it, it means not only money, but everything that God has given to us. Not just money, our talents, our time. So to do all this practically, it means that we got to hold our money and our possessions loosely. Easy come, easy go. Brings us to key point number five. Contentment is a core value in handling possessions. Contentment is a core value in handling uh, our possessions. Once again, the Apostle Paul writes to Timothy here and he says, Godliness with contentment. Hey, Tim, that's great gain. 
That is great gain. Remember this, for we brought nothing into the world, and we're, we can't take anything out either. If we have food, if we have clothing, we will be content with all of these, but those who want to be rich, they fall into temptation. It's a trap and, and many foolish and harmful desires. These things plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, it's not money. Money's neutral. The love of money, that's the root of all kinds of evil. And by craving it, thinking about it, desiring it, thinking about all the stuff that we don't have versus praising God and being content with the things that we do, some have wandered away from the faith. And they're pierced. They've pierced themselves with all these, these problems, these griefs. The Apostle Peter, he says it this way in 1 Peter 1.3. He says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us a new birth. We've got a, a living hope, right? This is not our best life now. If we're a Christian, this is our worst life now. Why? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And then look at this. He says, and, and we have this inheritance it's imperishable. It's undefiled. This thing is unfading, guys. And where is it? It's not, on, it's not on the earth. It's kept in heaven for you. So Peter is reiterating what the Lord Jesus is teaching here. The inheritance of, of heaven is imperishable. Moth, rust, can't get to it. The Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth. He says, even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. Did you guys catch that? Our outer person is being destroyed. Even our bodies are rusting away and breaking down. He goes on to say, for our momentary light affliction, the afflictions that we have right now, the things that are weighing you down, the things in the back of your mind, the things that are trouble, troubling you, guys, short period of time right now. It's a momentary light affliction and it's doing something. Look, it's producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So Paul says, you know what? We don't focus on what is seen. We're not going to focus on the things that are breaking down. I'm not going to focus on the things that I don't have. I'm going to focus on what is unseen. For what is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So these heavenly things, they are imperishable. Thieves can't get to them. And the reason for that is because God himself is reserving those things for us. I mean, think about that. No thief can, can rob us of them. God himself is the guardian. I think that's really cool. Verse 21, Jesus continues here. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This verse is, is better understood, the desires of your heart. Uh, the heart in the first century, it means a lot more than it does today. Uh, throughout scripture, the heart refers to the center of one's being. It's the core, it's our emotions, our reasons, and our will. So we could, we could translate verse 21 this way. Where our treasure is, there will be our inner being. 
our total person. So generally, when we, when we think of the heart, we hear the heart, we think of affection, don't we? We think of love, and fondness, endearment. But the Bible uses that term for the wholeness of man. The heart is the core of who we are. We, we could say mind, body, soul, and spirit. So not only will our affections focus on, on earthly or, or heavenly treasures, on that treasure, whatever that treasure is for you, but our entire self is, is entwined with it. It's mixed in with our desires of our treasure. We could say um, our treasures, we are attached to our treasures. So key point number six what happens to our treasure happens to us. What happens to our treasure happens to us. So Jesus points out that a person's deepest motives, his utmost desires, they are inseparable from his most cherished possession. And that brings us to key point number seven. Our treasures and our desires, our hearts, we could say, will, will either both be earthly or they will both be heavenly. Our treasures and our hearts will both, earthly or both be heavenly. Having our treasure on earth and our heart in heaven, that is impossible. Jesus says it doesn't work that way. The apostle James he doesn't mince words here in James 4.4. 4. Let me read this to you. He says, you adulterous people. Dang, Jimmy. He says, don't you know that, that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? So whoever wants to be the friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. So key point number eight. If you want to know where your heart is, if you want to do a little test... Follow your calendar and your money. If you want to know where your heart is, follow your calendar and your money. What we do with our time and what we do with our money, it reveals the kind of person that we are. And here's the key, regardless of what we say. If our heart is right, everything else falls in place. And then finally, key point number nine, financial problems are spiritual problems. Financial problems are spiritual problems. And spiritual problems are always heart problems. So the question this morning is, how's your heart? How's your heart? If you were to look at your, your calendar and your checkbook, are you investing in you? Are you storing up treasures on earth or are they in heaven? It's been well said that there is no, there, there is no U-Haul trailer ever hitched to a hearse. <laughs> Can't take it with you. See, the worldly man thinks he, he owns all of this stuff, but, but we as Christians, we realize we don't own it. We're just good stewards of it. These things are just on loan from the Heavenly Father. We're custodians. Jesus asked an eternal question relating to earthly treasures. 
In Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, he tells his disciples, he says, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, let him show some restraint, let him apply some discipline, take up his cross, the very things that you don't want to face, and then follow me. Jesus says, follow Jesus. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will find it. And then he says this. He asks this question. For what will it benefit someone if he gains the, the entire world and yet loses his life? I think that's a great question to ponder this week. Guys, what's going to happen when you lose your earthly life? Last time I checked, the death rate still holds steady at 100%. Everybody's going to die. Are you guys, are you looking forward to seeing Jesus face to face? I don't know, Dustin. I still got some stuff to do. If you're not... If you're not excited, if you're not looking forward to seeing Jesus face to face, ask yourself why. Is that a sinful treasure in your life? And dear friends, we all have sinful treasures in our life. And this is, this is just a moment where Jesus points something out to where, okay, I, I need to address that. Just like he was moving us to address the thing to fast from, whatever that one thing is. And Jesus continues to zero in on these things. So as, as God brings these sinful treasures up um, this week, I want to encourage you to confess those things, the sin. Because please know we're, we're either going to die or we're going to get caught up in the rapture. One of the two. Jesus is coming back. Y'all ready? Jesus is coming back. Well, Father in heaven, I, I pray that we are ready. None of us know how much time we have. And I pray, Lord God, that as you have taught us your word today, that we have a very different perspective on money and possessions. That you are our sole provider. And it's only by your grace that we have the clothes on our back and the food in the fridge and the roof over our heads and the car that got us here and the gas that's in the car. All of this is, is from you. And, and Lord, we just want to take a moment and thank you and and for providing for us because we don't deserve any of these things. And yet it's out of, out of your grace that you provide them. So Father, yes, please do some work in our hearts this week. Continue to move us a step closer to the things that, um, the things that we are doing, that one thing that we're doing that, that you're putting up with. And also, Lord God, if we do, if we, all these sinful treasures in our life, if, if we're holding on to something so tightly, please reveal why. Father, we love you. Thank you. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.